Time to talk football. It's time to talk Dons. North Sound 1, Red Review. Hello and welcome to another Red Review. And finally, some good news and three points for the Dons. I'm Alan Davidson and no Dave Galloway this week, so I'm joined by Lewis, Nicky and our guest, Graham Watt. And Lewis, finally, three points, convincing performance, some cracking goals. Yeah, I mean, probably not what anyone expected when they saw the lineups about just before the game. But yeah, I mean, it, it, it's certainly been coming. Um, and it's you know, not an easy team to play in the well either. So they're, they're going to be you know, pretty happy with that one. It's just unfortunate the next game coming up after that is, is Celtic. So it's going to be difficult to continue that run. But um, certainly some good goals. You're, you're right about that one. No, Graham, and who would have thought our best attacking performance of the season coming with six defenders on the pitch? I, I, well, I did look at it and think, oh... Oh, this is this is what's going on here, but yeah, it did work well, didn't it? Yeah, it was good. No, and I think Leipzig some some really good goals, and that's the kind of after the Shakura game in Europe. This is what I expect to see from Aberdeen all season, and suddenly, suddenly it's clicked. Yeah, there was kind of two games in a row. You had the Shakura game and then the Hearts game. Slightly different games, but still some good football and good goals in both of them. And you were thinking, well, this is going to be a, a really entertaining season. And then other than maybe the Ross County game at Pataudry, I don't think we really saw anything like that until uh, Saturday when, yeah, there was some fantastic goals there. And just some really good play all around. You know, even when the goals weren't scored, when there were some chances, there was some good football as well. So it um, shows that the ability is certainly there. It's just getting that on a more consistent basis now, I suppose. Oh, Graham, you'd, like, you'd like to think this is possibly the turning point. Is, the, is this the result? Is this the perf- More than the result, is this the performance that gets the players believing again? Because I think we have looked like a team just devoid of any sort of confidence recently. Does, does, does the, the manner of the, the victory kind of maybe let us kick on now? I hope so, and it, it, it was a hell of a performance, wasn't it? I mean, nobody expected Aberdeen to go there and play the way they did, as you say, with six defenders on the park. Um, all three goals as well, beautiful goals. Um, but yeah, uh, hopefully that kicks us on and we can go on some sort of run now, yeah. Oh, well, this time, let's let's have our weekly chat about Sam Cosgrove. <laughs> Another one, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's every week we, we kind of praise his importance and how much he means to this side at the moment and where would we it's kind of worrying to think where we'd be without him yeah but to take that to take that on that that finish for that first goal is just a striker full of confidence at the moment special, isn't it special goal yeah. yeah yeah I was saying before it's one of those where he's been scoring goals obviously for about a year now it seems like it's running about that time where he just randomly started scoring goals and you were you know you were like where did that come from but now they're even better goals you know that's probably the best goal he maybe has scored in an Aberdeen shirt and that's the only thing that's slightly concerning about it because you're thinking, you know, well, now what happens when that goal goes, you know, round a heap of people on Twitter and suddenly there's more links to different clubs. But you know what? You're not going to be able to have a striker scoring a heap of goals and not have that as well. So you've got to take them hand in hand. But yeah, I mean, I think probably the best goal he scored in Aberdeen shirt. I'm trying to, you know, kind of yeah, trying to think through. There was that hat trick goal against Cura. The one, the header against Hearts was a special goal. That was a nice goal as well. Yeah, that that definitely was one of his better goals for Aberdeen. To have that confidence. I mean, he could have just slotted it bottom corner, but no, I'm going to chip you inside the box. <laughs> I mean, the keeper was he went down, did he? It was just yeah. brilliant goal. I think it's thir- 34 and 44. An unbelievable return from a, a striker who cost basically nothing. Yeah, when you look at yeah. how slow of a start he had as well, I mean, his first game he took out Scott Brown and got sent off, so it's uh, certainly a turnaround as well. I still think that endeared him to the fans. <laughs> 
You know, I, think, we can forgive I, I mean, I can, one, yeah. I can forgive kicking Scott Brown. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it couldn't hurt. It certainly couldn't hurt. I mean, if you're going to follow up all those goals, I mean, it's it certainly... I mean, there was never going to be anything from that game in the first place anyway, so you may as well have. It's fine. I, pra- I feel better now. I praised Scott Brown on this show the other week. Oh. <laughs> I know. So him getting put up in the air makes me feel good. How many showers did you have afterwards? I had quite a few. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just sat, sat in the shower and just cried a little bit. It felt oh, dirty. Yeah. It's fine. We're, we're over it now. We're over it now. I'm not sure. We all make mistakes. <laughs> so yeah, and then on to second goal. McGinn. Now McGinn. Again, looking like the now McGinn of old. We've seen it in glimpses, but he, we don't get that from all the time. But that was that was kind of vintage McGinn almost. Superb finish. Great work actually, I think, by John Gallagher as well. And yeah. just pressing the ball, winning it back, and then the the shot, no backlift from again. Yeah, no, no chance. Yeah, and a really good run from Gallagher as well to his left hand side, which gives him again that bit yeah. of space to get the shot off. But yeah, that's eighty goals for for Neil McGinn for Aberdeen. Now he, you do feel like he gets underappreciated a little bit by, yeah. by certain sectors of people, and you can understand he does sometimes have bad games. And when Neil McGinn has a bad game, it does seem to be maybe. You know, there's not really an in between. If a pass goes wrong, the next two are also going wrong. But he just needs to have a bit of managed game time. We've got plenty of wingers. There's no reason that he has to play every game. And I don't think Naomi again at this point would even say he wants to play every game because realistically, you know, he does you know pick up injuries every now and again. It is important to manage his game time. And when I think he just hates Motherwell as well. I think eleven of those eighty goals have come against Motherwell. So that's um, there's certainly something he has to get. And they're always. Absolute bangers against Motherwell as well. I don't know what he has wrong with him. I think his first goal was against Motherwell. The Ryan Fraser cross on his header when he came off the bench. I think that was his first goal as well for McGinn. His very first goal was Motherwell. I think it is. I think people expect McGinn to still be the player we had five years ago. He is now 32. He's in some ways, he still is. I mean, he doesn't quite have that, that starting pace. He's obviously not a striker anymore, but he still has that in his locker with those types of finishes. He's still probably the best crosser of a ball at the club. Yeah, um, definitely. And set pieces, you've always got something. You know, I always feel like if a player's at least half useful in open play, if he's got a really good set piece, then he's worth having on the pitch. It's like when we had Greg Tanzi for a bit. I was like, if he's just decent at keeping the ball, I'll take him for his set pieces. And unfortunately, that kind of went a bit wrong, Greg yeah. Tanzi and his injuries. But yeah, Naomi Ginn sometimes for that set piece, he's, he's worth having on the pitch. Well, I was about because to say, Charlie Mulgrew's made a career out of it. <laughs> <laughs> Charlie Mulgrew's got a heap of Scotland caps out of it. And... Out, out of being able to cross a ball. Um... Unfortunately, Charlie. I haven't, said that. I haven't seen Charlie Mulgrew score a free kick in a while. There's some baggers. No, he's not allowed <laughs> to take them anymore because he can't get back, as we noticed playing for Scotland. Um, but no, I think Niall, and he is a player who's, who's had his his problems with injuries. Um, I think kind of when he left briefly to go to Korea, I think his time in Korea was ruined by that injury. Um, so I think he is a player that needs to be used kind of sparingly, um, but very very impressive at the weekend. And then again, Zach Viner in some sort of makeshift midfield role yeah. looked looked brilliant. He did. Look, looked very, very good. Very, very composed in the middle of the park, which him I think, again, Greg, we didn't expect. Yeah. But yeah, him and Greg Lee were outstanding. I mean, a left back and a right back, who would have thought that was your best midfield? <laughs> but yeah, as you say, they, they were both outstanding, um, especially that finish from Viner. I mean, he, but he scored two goals in his whole career. And that was a hell of a finish. Did he mean it? I think he did. <laughs> I mean, Derek McInnes must have been feeling so smug afterwards. Just going back and looking at tweets of people when, when the lineup came out and just going like, oh yeah, two midfielders, uh, two defenders in midfield, one gets an assist, one gets a goal, aye? Yeah? You've seen, you seen it though straight away, didn't you? When you looked at the lineup, you th- all of us probably went, hold on, what's going on here? Yeah. I did, I did. sitting in here. Everyone was trying doing? to guess. You know, my best guess was maybe like back five, 
and then maybe Viner playing midfield. Yeah, but when that, you... I think that's what I went with. I was down in uh, Manchester at a wedding, and we were all standing at the bar just after the ceremony, <laughs> looking at Twitter going, what? <laughs> well, Derek did say, he said we'd been working on it. We don't see what goes on in training, obviously. I mean, he did say, well, we worked on it all week, and he does feel as if that two could play in midfield. Um yeah. Well, he did, they proved him right, didn't they? It's a bit of a hallmark of Derek McInnes' side when you really look back, though. Like He always has players that are versatile. You know, How many positions did Johnny Hayes play? Niall McGinn has played either wing. Sometimes he's even played centrally. He has a lot of players, Andy Constein, yeah. who just play different positions and he gets the best out of them. And I don't know if that's more his coaching and, and Tony Doherty's coaching or if that's also on recruitment where he always looks for players who can do that because he knows he's not going to have a squad where he can have two players for every position so you need to have some players who can cover other positions and you look at that squad right now James Wilson can play centrally or on the wing Niall McGinn can do that as well John Gallagher can play about five different positions so you know he has that versatility and clearly it has you know really paid off this time well, I think it is one of those that it possibly it left us all guessing but <laughs> if, if you were Stephen Robinson you would have gone what? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's part of the the way it worked, though. Like you know, he just they didn't know what to do because you just have. Surely, when he looked at the lineup, he went right, boys. We're going to have to prepare to play against a back five here, because you're surely not guessing you're going to play two midfielders. And because the midfield was essentially a left back, a right back, and then John Gallagher, who probably his best position as a winger. So to be fair, it went all wrong for Motherwell, did it? They missed the pen, and then they lost their captain after about ten minutes, I think, as well. Yeah, yeah. I think, actually, to be fair, I, I think missed the pen is harsh on Joe well, Lewis. Yeah, well, yeah. great it's save, a, to be honest. It, yeah. I think we we had a bit of debate before we started recording on. Is it a penalty? Well, what do we think, Lewis? See, I've only seen it from the the red TV angle, and I can't, I just can't see whether there's a touch from Joe Lewis on the player or not. But he seems convinced, and his teammates seem convinced that he he didn't touch the player. So. It looks soft. Yeah, yeah. I think it, it looks like one of those where it certainly could be a dive. It's one of those, and I think you can see Joe's Joe's fairly raging with the decision the being given. A lot as well, yeah. And I think you can you can always tell. And I think for some reason, especially goalkeepers, you could, there's always a half-hearted protest from a goalkeeper when they've pulled somebody down. But that was that wasn't that was more than I think. Joe seemed adamant that he hadn't touched them. But yeah, what I thought a gonna, save! Thought he was going to lift them up off the ground. <laughs> what, what a save! And, and how many keepers have you actually seen that are better at penalties than Joe Lewis? He is really good at penalties, and I know he's. He's lanky as anything, right? So it was, it was very similar to the Scott Sinclair one in the final. Yeah, very identical to that one. He tipped it over the bar with a lot of power. Yeah, it wasn't a bad penalty because he always gets. He has like an outstretched arm, but then somehow still gets the power the to lift up, it yeah. over. It's but it, it was a phenomenal save, and I think I had this conversation on the weekend as well. Actually, was I know I'm fairly confident when we when we concede a penalty, it, you always were it's going in. There's always a chance, yeah. but or a one on one. You always feel somebody through one on one with Joe Lewis. Or Joe Lewis facing a penalty. Yeah, you always feel there's a, there's a real chance of saving it, and I think it must be a point because keep, keepers do their homework on penalty takers. Penalty takers must do their homework on keepers. Absolutely, yeah. You, you get a lot of goalkeepers who will favour one side or the other as uh, to dive to. If they go early, they go one way. But strikers looking going, well, Joe Lewis has saved the last three. <laughs> Yeah, so and I mean, we mentioned the one-on-ones, we mentioned the the uh, penalties, and then whenever a cross comes in, you're like, he's just going to pluck this out there and not even leave his feet. So it, it, it's just fantastic to have a goalkeeper that must make that whole team feel so secure. Well, that's it. It's I think we, we, we all came through an era watching Jamie Langfield, and as much as much as I liked big, big Jamie, there was always a heart and mouth moment whenever a back pass went near him. And I mean, <laughs> as a goalkeeping coach now, there's no way Jamie Langfield would probably seriously. Come on this show, for example, and say, no, I, I was better than Joe Lewis. I think he knows. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think he would, no. 
No, uh, but then he would have his wonderful games as well. You just never know. Yeah. I think as as a, as a short stopper, Jimmy Langfield was phenomenal. Oh, yeah. but that game at Tannadice. That game at yeah, Tannadice when Scott Brennan scored a hat trick. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I think his his distribution was possibly questionable. <laughs> And the one in the cup final when he dropped it, oh my! I, oh, that was heart and mouth oh. moment. <laughs> he always had a moment. I think one of one of his best saves. We've gone totally off topic here, but it's fine. <laughs> um, I think one of his best saves came up at uh, Inverness when he was backpedaling and tipped the ball over the bar. Phenomenal save. The only thing is, it had come from a scrapped kick. <laughs> he'd, he'd made an absolute mess of a back pass. Horribly sliced it. <laughs> And then pulled off an absolute world of safe to get himself out of trouble. And I think there still is that moment, even though we're so confident in Joe, whenever I'm watching Aberdeen, any time there's a bat pass, yeah. the, the, the heart rate still PTSD. raises a little. <laughs> That's with any team, though. You feel the same way. Years of watching Jimmy. But no, um, all in all, I think a fairly good performance, but I think that it needs to be backed up now. Back, back, back to Saturday. We need to back this up. One off. That there have been too many bad performances for one performance to think it's one good weekend to make it all world as well. I think big, big test coming up this weekend against Celtic. You do feel as though this is a Celtic side that's more there for the taking than when they were under Brendan Rodgers. It feels like a Ronnie Dyla side a little bit, just a little. And Aberdeen had a good record at Petardre against Ronnie Dyla's Celtic, so... Well, this is actually a point I made last week, I think, after the Libby. Well, on the last on the last show after the after Livingston game, it felt like the turning point when teams sussed out how to play Dallas Celtic. There wasn't a plan B. Was I think that was the big criticism from within the Celtic support as well. Yeah. Was Dallas didn't have a plan B, and I'm not sure Lennon does either. Lennon played right into Livy's hands by punting long balls, which just doesn't fit his team. It's certainly what Celtic fans say. They've said you know Neil Lennon doesn't have a plan B, so it sounds very similar. And, that was actually the issue for Aberdeen, I feel, a lot of times against the Brendan Rodgers side. They figured out the plan A, and sometimes even the plan B, but Brendan Rodgers had a C, D and E. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, so if Neil Lennon can't do that, you know, maybe there's there's a chance here. This is maybe a more level playing field in, in, in that way. And um, it just depends, you know. Do you? The interesting thing is, do you swap up that side now? You've just won 3-0, but are you going to play two, midfield, uh, two defenders in midfield again? I, th- I think have to, but that that Aberdeen side is probably just about the most physical we have in terms. Of if you look at the personnel that played, th- that gets all our big players on the pitch. Well, Derek certainly has options now, doesn't he? Which which may be may be the way to go against. I've just had an image in my head though. You've just like talked about oh, you have all these big players on the pitch, and I just see a short corner being taken. I just know it. <laughs> I just know it. <laughs> but no, you wonder if that is. Given the way Livy went and just went after Celtic physically, is is the answer to play the six of them again? The thing is, yeah. does Derek bring in Bryson and Gleeson now that they're fit? I mean, or does he stick with the two that he played, Viner um, and Lee? I, I would imagine the two of them. They were on the it's bench. A big ask they were on the bench on Saturday, but I wouldn't imagine. I could there. Even I, even another week down the line, I, I wouldn't w- imagine they're fully fit. I wouldn't say Bryson would play ninety minutes, but no. I could see him maybe. Maybe starting. I feel like if you drop a player from that lineup, maybe he either don't know shifts can't sign back centre back, Gregory left back, and maybe Devlin drops out, or maybe Gallagher drops out just for that leadership of Bryson. But yeah, I don't see either of them playing ninety. Um, maybe you can see Bryson going in. I don't seem being convinced that he needs to drop any of them for for Stephen Gleeson. With all respect, no. Stephen Gleeson, yeah. he's not played a lot of football in a long time. No, and I think again the one that I was like surprised looking at the lineup on Saturday was Hedges not being in. 
Um, I've been impressed with Hedges since he came in. Um, but again, he can't argue about not being picked for the Celtic game now. We went and put in our best attacking performance. I don't think anybody who's not in that side can complain about not being in the side for next weekend. All of them will feel like they need to start again, won't they? Against Celtic. They played that well. That's it. I think they are. I mean, if if we could find a way of getting Ash Taylor on that side as well against Celtic, <laughs> just, <laughs> just 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 to add a bit more height. This was the one thing I was worried about, though. Like, what happens if if Derek McInnes leaves that game and goes right six defenders three 0 Well, I'm just seven defenders. Ash, how's the hamstring? <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it, it's just you can you can see Big Ash popping in that side. <laughs> just put him up front. Oh. Yeah, that's that's probably a good idea. Let's put Big Ash as far away from our goal as possible. That'd <laughs> <Yeah>. be helpful. <laughs> Sorry, and I, I feel like I I was on this bandwagon of I don't like Ash Taylor at the start of the season, and then he got broken. He's not. He's Ash Taylor doesn't listen to this. Yeah, I'm just saying, maybe Ash Taylor has a lot of better things to do. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope Ash Taylor doesn't listen to this because he is massive. Yeah. <laughs> And I, I'm, I'm not particularly tall. No. I definitely wouldn't say they're standing next to him. No, I don't think I would either. Right, move on before I get myself in trouble. So on to some of the other the weekend's other games. Like, actually, no, there was one more point I wanted to make over this. Um, Shay Logan. Of the over the weekend, I saw bits and pieces of the game. I've seen a lot of stuff on Twitter this weekend. People on is this just Aberdeen fans that want to have a moan? Um, gotta be honest, wasn't convinced with him against Hibs. Saw, saw him in person against Hibs, really, really wasn't convinced. Was it the same this weekend, or is he the new Ryan Jack? Or there's always one, there's always one player in Aberdeen squad Scapegoat. that, the, the, that yeah. the fans have everything wrong at the club is this one player's fault. For a long time, it was Jack. Um, I mean, he did have a rope. He, wrote, he started off obviously with the back pass to Lewis, uh, Lewis, which was dangerous, yeah. But then he did come in and got grew into the game a bit more. But he is hot and cold just now. I think that's maybe why the fans are a little bit wondering. Come on, where's the Logan of old? You know. Yeah, I think it was certainly. I was. I wasn't convinced with him defensively against against Hibbs. His, his, he was. He looked like a player that was lacking sharpness. Looked like a player that was. Had he certainly doesn't lack confidence. We know that. <laughs> no, that I mean, was... yeah, he has confidence, but. There's almost just like that side of confidence. I feel like he maybe just is lacking a little bit, like with the back passes, where he just second guesses what he does a little bit at the moment, and that comes with, I yeah. suppose, having been injured. And you know, the fans do get a bit on his back. I mean, they vocally get on Shea Logan's back. I mean, you mentioned, you know, there's always kind of a scapegoat. I mentioned earlier, I think that Niall McGinn's a little bit underappreciated. There's been times where Niall McGinn gets booed when he gets yeah. subs, subbed at Pataudrin for a player who scored that many goals. And again, Shea Logan. You look at him, yes, okay, maybe he's not playing that well right now. I still think you, you get to a point where you're allowed some bad games um, without maybe getting booed. And yeah, he, he does, at least deserves a little bit more respect than what he gets. That doesn't mean that he's undroppable, though. I think that's um, because we're, we're so used to him playing so well yeah. that uh, he's had a few bad games. Those, those first few on, seasons, you know? yeah, he was yeah. just immense. and he's a player you could rely on, you know. It is one of those, though, where you felt at times maybe he just had that extra yard of pace and it helped him and maybe he just yeah. you know doesn't quite have that now and that's not his fault and that that naturally happens but that could be the injury as well he's just stolen back yeah. his head you know yeah well totally was, I was it, you know <clears throat> I, will, I will put my hands up and admit I was in the period when he came back from injury and was on the bench and we were playing poorly I was calling from back in the side yeah because I think the Shea Logan of all gives us that energy gives us that drive um he kind of he, he's a real he's a player that really influences those around him just by his attitude and his work rate yeah I haven't seen what I was looking for from him since he came back. I have said before as well, I think on the last show we did on, on here that I was on, that 
it's a different system for it. Like generally, you'll see if you're playing a back four, one fullback is probably more advanced than the other. So he was so used to having the other side being Andy Considine. So he was the fullback that got forward more. But now you have Greg Lee. So there's almost that, does he stay further back or are we left just completely open? Which might have worked when Ojo was fit because he would drop in and then you do still have three people back. So there's well, maybe just that figuring out what his role is now. Yeah, when we, when we, when we brought Lee in, sorry, um, I I expected, and this is why when I saw the lineup on Saturday... I've been waiting for the back five to reappear all season because Derek has tried it in the past um, and with the players we brought in in the summer the back five looked like an obvious option it would and make we've, sense we've not, we've not seen it yet no. um, I think we're possibly waiting for everyone to be fit we, I think we've always been missing some parts of that puzzle to get the back five in But I, I, it's good having McKenna and Devlin back in there I mean I think a lot of Aberdeen <coughs> fans agree that that is our strongest Pairing at centre back, definitely McKenna and Devlin. I mean, well, that's two Scotland internationals now. Yeah, look at it. it feels like it should be the strongest, but then you look at like the performances of Andy Considine so far, and you're like, yeah. you feel bad dropping him. So yeah, like almost like a back five seems like the natural way of somehow getting all three of them in, and then Greg Lee and Shay Logan, you maybe feel that like, gets the best out of them, yeah. or you could even have one of them, and then the other side could be a more natural winger who plays as the wing back. But the, the issue there is you maybe end up with two up top, and I'm not convinced that. I would want to see Cosgrove and Main up front, and I'm not convinced that Derek McInnes will play Anderson and Cosgrove up front. So, well, this this, this is just quickly on my last point on this before we move on to the other games. I'm aware time is pushing on <laughs> on us, um, but you're speaking about McKenna and Devlin being Scotland internationals now. What has Andy Considine got to do? I think he's he's been Be about ten years younger. I, I feel like they just been, don't want to. He's See Charlie Mulgrew. <laughs> no, I know, but like what what I mean is that is you know they kind of feel like the boat had passed. It's like a people get kind of typecast and they just feel like oh well that that boat kind of passed. You know we need to either have people who've already been in the team or we need to have people who will be in the team for the next ten years. And I don't necessarily agree with it, but I feel like you know if he was younger, he, he probably would be, would be yeah. in for it because has he been? I think he's been better probably than Devlin so far this season. So. Certainly, you know, and I, th- I think what yeah. what that Scotland and the reason I would imagine Charlie Mulgrew is getting a game for Scotland is because Steve Clark wants some experience in that yeah, side. Yeah. Okay, Constein doesn't have that experience at international level, but he's a centre half who's played a lot of football. He's not, he's he's not a kid. He he understands what he's doing. He'll do the basics right, the which is possibly is, what he does, you need. He does do it right, and I think that's why he, he goes unrecognised a lot of the time because he does stuff. He, he just does the basics right. Yeah. It's. It's simple it, things. It, it's it, it's if it moves, kick it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> it's, yeah. As easy as it is, it might just Nothing be fancy, yeah. yeah, it might just be the fact he's left footed. You know, you've got Charlie Mulgrew, you've got quite a few left footed players yeah. in that team, and maybe Steve Clark was just looking for a right footed centre back. I, I just I just wonder if the, the the fact we've been so kind of devoid of centre backs at international level, and this this attitude of let's pick let's pick a team for the future, let's pick a team that's going to still be the Scotland team. No, let's pick a team that can win a game, please. Let's let's not worry about. The game in six months' time. Yeah. Can we can we try and not get beat today, please? <laughs> That's um, the Scotland way, though. <laughs> <laughs> we need an excuse. Let, 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 let's not try and be too clever. Let's just let's just focus on not getting beat this week. Yeah. Anyway, right on to the other games. On to the predictor, Graham. You represented the Red Army this it week. Better than last time. Yeah, I know that. So. Let's start on Saturday with Celtic Ross County. Some way to bounce back from the the, the disappointment for the international break. Six nil. I don't think there are many teams will put six past Ross County this season. 
No, I wondered what was going on when I was coming. I mean, actually, I had them to score a goal. Well, I had 4-1 Celtic, but <laughs> I thought they might have got at least one goal. But I didn't, didn't see six, I know that. Neil Lennon said after the game that was his side's best performance from his present team and from his past teams, you know what I mean? So, uh, Ross County didn't put up much of a fight there. No. Oh, impressive, Lewis. Yeah, it's one of those where... I suppose it is impressive, but it doesn't tell you too much about Celtic because generally there are teams who go to Celtic Park, probably like Ross County, sometimes like Aberdeen, who don't really lay a finger on them. They'll have a lot tougher challenges, and the question, I think, with Celtic so much right now is what happens when they really do get a challenge. If they go to Celtic Park and there's a team that really aren't going to give them much trouble, they're very comfortable going and thrashing them like that, but um, if they were away from home against Ross County, I certainly wouldn't have seen that same scoreline, and if Ross County maybe even did get that goal, maybe that would have made, made Celtic shrink a little bit. So, uh, you know, impressive victory, obviously. But yeah, um, even Celtic fans will be saying, you know, you've got to have feet firmly on the ground with that. The big test now comes going to Pataudry next weekend. And, um, you know, getting a result where it, you wouldn't have expected it nine times out of ten. I mean, because nine times out of ten, Celtic probably will thrash Ross County at Celtic Park. So, On to Hamilton Hibbs. 1-1. One, one. Possibly a good point for Hamilton. Probably they, they, these are the these are the points that they just seem to eke out, especially at home. They just get enough to stay up every year. Yeah. The, the most interesting thing about this game for me was the kit clash. Did you see that? Hibbs wearing grey and Hamilton wearing white, <laughs> and it was and the ref allowed it. Yeah, apparently, and it, it, the shorts were the same as well. So I don't know what was going on there. Maybe in person, that grey looked a little bit. It was the same grey they wore at Pataudry and Hamilton's white with a little bit of red, but it's like a very w- yeah. white-dominating kit this year. So, um, But yeah, I mean, it's just another kind of really bleak result for Hibs. I mean, at least when Aberdeen aren't doing very well, you can always look at Edinburgh and just feel a little bit better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's a hecking bottom. Really under pressure now. You'd, I still feel as though he's going to get at least until that not, semi-final. Yeah. And if he gets into the final, then that's another reprieve for him because, yeah. you know, in Scotland, if you, you can win a cup, it does make that difference. And I mean, I, for a long time, and this is what, I, I don't trust this, because every time we have a bad league result, but we've had a good cup result, people don't take it. But there's always Aberdeen fans that go, I would easily finish bottom six if we could win a cup. But I'm not convinced that people would really take that. And certainly Hibs fans are not, not taking it at the moment, probably because they don't feel they're going to beat Celtic. But you know what? Hibs are one of the teams that normally do give Celtic a game. So you never know. But yeah, um, he should be under a little bit more pressure. But Similarly to what's happened at Tynecastle, I just feel there's um, a real kind of just want not to get to that situation. They want to stick with him. It's a strange one with the Edinburgh clubs, isn't it? I mean, you look at them, was it 10th and 11th, both of them? I mean, why are they down there? The size yeah. of that clubs should not be near that. And the squads that as well. Yeah, well, the thing is, I, and I'm looking at the, the, the Hibs lineup in front of me from, from Saturday. Again, Christian Dodge starts. Camberry didn't come on until about three minutes to go, apparently. I don't know if it will tell you that there, but that's yeah, what I saw from him. Kim- Kimberry, 89th minute. Wow. And Camberry, <laughs> Camberry, a striker who I actually rate quite highly. I, I like Flo Camberry. Um, and Deutsch has done nothing. Um, that's not true. He's missed a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's it's strange that I just I don't understand. The, their midfield confuses me. It's kind of like Scott Allen and then a lot of people who are just like kind of there. And I, I know uh, Stevie Mallon scored again at the weekend, though. I'm interested to see whether either that was a free kicker outside the box. If it wasn't, then I don't believe you. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, people underestimate how important a midfield can be. Um, but, I mean, they can't say that they're not giving, you know, Christian Dyer's chances. No, so. well, you've got, 
But that, that, that's, that's Hibs side going to Hamilton, and you've got Camberry and Allen on the bench. You're not starting Camberry and Allen. Scar was on the bench. Scar well. wow, was on the bench. No. Um, I think a lot of Hibs fans are very, very keen for Martin Boyle to get back quickly. Um, I think they, I think they expect him to be back this weekend. I'm not quite sure what. I think the feeling was he was going to be back this weekend, but he wasn't in the squad. I mean, it'll help, but it's not going to transform that. Like you know, it's it's something at Hibs at the moment where his, you know, as you say there, his lineups are just really questionable. You know, Scott Allen's their best player. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those. I, I think it's that, that's it. If Martin Boyle being fit relies on him being picked, um, and on to Kilmarnock, Livingston, two one Killy. They seem to have they seem to have found something now after a dodgy start, and I think a lot of people saw the Connors key result and went, "Oh, here we go." Yeah, Alessio <laughs> seems to be getting there now. I've got a real like grudge against some people at the moment because it feels like all I'm all for people having their hot takes about football, but then when you get it wrong, you need to come back and you know admit that you got it wrong. There's a lot of people who after they lost that game against. Uh, Connor Square, or is it Connor's key? key? I can't remember key. Um, where they were already calling for his head, already saying he was a rubbish manager. I, I really do feel there's, there's a good chance that Kilmarnock will be third at the end of next weekend. This time next week, Kilmarnock could very well be third because they could win their playing St. Mirren and the other two teams, Motherwell are playing Rangers and Aberdeen are playing Celtic. So, you know, if you're going by, you know, kind of what the odds will probably be for those games, yeah, Kilmarnock are likely to be third. Yeah, so. um, and I've not seen anyone stepping back and apologising to Angelio Alessio I've not seen anyone admitting they were wrong so um, I yeah that, I think that exit the European just no, still that, hurts I think there, there certainly are a lot of tweets that haven't aged well on that yeah. one well, yeah. <laughs> it, it certainly hurts and you could see you know Kilmarnock fans waited a long long time for that but even majority Kilmarnock fans were still backing him it was pundits who were coming out and you know absolutely you know just going into the boy and, and the accusation at the time was they wouldn't have went into a Scottish manager the way he did and that's open to interpretation I'll let people decide for themselves whether they you know feel that would be true but yeah, it, you know what? They have to have a lot of credit, and they're still doing it with a pretty, you know, kind of thin squad. Look at the strikers that Kilmarnock have, by the way. They've got, you know, Eamon Brophy, who's good, and then basically behind him to back him up, they've got uh, Osman Sow, who couldn't get a game for Dundee United, who got thrashed 4 0 by uh, playing the South this weekend. And then, to be fair, Lawrence Janklin was there, though. And you've also got um, Jackson, who was released by St. Mirren. Yeah. That's your two backup strikers. Yeah, and I mean, you've got Eamon Brophy, who's not Scotland International. <laughs> we'll, 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 Steve Clark thinks he is. We'll, we'll, we'll pretend that one never happened. Also, just quickly, before we move on from this game, nice to see Lee Miller sco- still scoring top flight goals. I was yeah. shocked. <laughs> Lee, Lee Miller, who must be 104. I think that's his first goal in the top flight since, what, 2010, I think they said? <laughs> Yeah, but something but, like that. BBC. I'm just. I'm so happy he got another one. It's it's yeah. just great. But he should instantly. He should have retired at that point. He's he's just, 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 just that that Thirty-six <laughs> year old now is he? Well, yeah. that was speaking. Of, that was a bit Robert Snodgrass, isn't it? Robert Snodgrass who decided to retire after about ten minutes of that <laughs> Russian game. <laughs> just didn't tell anyone. Um, I need to stop doing things like this. This is going to get back to somebody, and I'm going to get slapped. Anyway. Um, but I mean, if if Ash Taylor isn't listening to this, Robert Snodgrass definitely. Is. <laughs> Look, as long as they're shorter than you, that that was the point you made, <laughs> and and you went in a little bit on Shay Logan. I think he's shorter than you, so <laughs> oh, someone's got to do it, right? St Mirren, St Johnston, two 0 St Mirren. You Good said it earlier. Uh, I think it was a few months ago, but the start of the season, how has he still got a job? <laughs> that that's now still no wins in nine no. for Tommy Wright. He can't still be dining out in that cup win, is he? But 
He is a bit, yeah. I mean, I was interested in some of his quotes after this game. He was saying, like, this is the best squad that I've had in my time at St. Johnson. And then you look at it and you go, you know what? He's probably right. You know, there's some good players yeah. in there. And apparently, again, you know, you, I like looking at what the actual fans of clubs say because it just gives you a, re- a better insight because these people see these clubs week in, week you out. You found this Johnson fan. Uh, you, know, you, found, you found it. A couple. I, I don't know if they also. So, I don't know if they also support Rangers and Celtic on the side. I don't know. But basically, um, they say that they started this game really well, and then Saint Mirren scored, and everyone sank. And that's a little bit surprising because at Petardra they went behind and they actually equalised. But it does seem that's the trend for Saint Johnston. Unless they score that first goal, they really do mostly sink because they just, you know, don't seem to be able to take that pressure they do have a good team but they're just completely you know low on confidence at the moment and if you don't you know if it's going to go back to the manager if you don't have a manager who can then somehow inspire that confidence then maybe it is time for a change I mean how long do they give him I mean well, they're, they're now, the games are going thick and fast now I, you think, know? I think the thing is this is the point I was about to make Graham is that nine games into the season they're lucky that Hibs and Hearts have been poor yeah. But they are starting to be cut adrift. They're now three points behind Hibs. Because how often do we see this where St Johnson are not the club that many people would have predicted to go down when they did, you know, no games have been played this season. But how many, if you look back the last five, six seasons in the Scottish Premiership, how many times has the team that you expected to go down went down? Because Hamilton haven't been relegated once in that time. You never so. know, do you, in this league? It's just one of those things. It's easy to get cut adrift. Look this, at what happened to Dundee last year. This, This is where... I think St. Johnson needs to start looking. It's it's I mean, a couple more weekends, if results don't go their way, they're sudden they're suddenly six points behind. And, and they're very loyal. Yeah. And I know it's I know it's a probably a boring suggestion, but I just mentioned there how everyone probably predicted Hamilton to go down and so many times they stayed up. Well the manager who did that quite a lot, Martin Cannon, is free at the moment. And he's been linked to their United job, but apparently Jim McIntyre is gonna get it. If you want a manager who's probably gonna get you safety in the premiership, they could do a lot worse. No, it's one of those that it's now, I think Tommy Wright is living out on that cup win and possibly the fact that they were still in touch. That it, it, It's now within a couple of weeks, they could very easily be cut adrift and have a long way to go to catch up. And having not won a game yet. I think maybe they're going to have to change it soon. Definitely a few more weeks. If things don't change, you're, you will see them go, I think. Well, it's the teams around them. Hibs, Hibs, Hibs have drawn the last three. Hearts... We'll come on to Hearts in a minute. They got that win against Hibs a couple of weeks ago. Um, it's the the teams above them are starting to pick up points here and there. And you'd expect the Edinburgh sides to have Kick a on. patch yeah. of form at some point. Yeah. And that's it. So I think you're you're looking. You expect the, the, both Edinburgh sides to probably go on a run, given the squads they've got. You expect them to go on a run at some point. I mean, yeah. I don't have the table in front of me right now, but who's you know? So it's the Edinburgh sides. Who's the next one up? How far are they Saint from Mi- St Johnston? St Mirren are four points. Just what I was going. St Mirren are four points ahead of St Johnston. Hamilton five already. And St Mirren just always feel like they're pretty good odds for a draw. Just pick up points, don't they? Yeah, yeah they're a bit of the Hamilton about them. They just they'll find it. You know, they'll come they'll come to Petardry some point this season and get a point or something. And then you know, from from there on, I I'm going to put my neck, I would say anyone from Hamilton up is safe already. Looking at looking at the sides that are there, and it's not. I'm not going on the points on the board, but looking at the sides of there, Livingston, Ross County, Kilmarnock, Aberdeen, Motherwell, Rangers, Celtic, I would expect that top seven to be safe. Only one I doubt slightly is maybe Ross County. You know, I feel like they should be good enough, but you just never know. But yeah, I mean, again, you look at Livingston and I just can't I can't see it. They're definitely better than at least two other teams in that league. Yeah, I, I would say 
it's it's kind of between realistically you and it's the same the same three I had at the start of the season. I would imagine it's two from three of Hamilton, St. Mirren, St. Johnston to go down. Um, I would expect the Edinburgh clubs to get out of trouble. Yeah, I, I don't think they're going to do maybe enough to actually have fans pleased. But yeah, I don't see them getting relegated. Surely not. No, and then we'll finally on to this last of this weekend's games. Hearts at Hearts at home to Rangers, and this is what we said. Hearts starting to pick up points. But well, yeah, this is. Was I, I don't know I, I didn't see the game I was travelling back from they Manchester. were actually the better side I mean Ekpiezo up front really did bully the Rangers defence and I don't think they were happy about it because they were claiming for everything and Rangers were lucky to be honest well Ekpiezo is a unit isn't he oh yeah so so big <laughs> yeah. I mean we talked about it before when he starts running it looks like a locomotive train starting to get going yeah. but I mean he's just keeps going and doesn't stop in, in terms of hearts you know you look at them I'm trying to figure out whether this draw has the feel of that Hibs drawing with Celtic a couple of weeks ago to it, where they drew with Celtic and you were like, oh, maybe Hibs are going to start getting going now. And as we just discussed, they haven't really. And again, I'm, you know, Hearts will sometimes pick themselves up for these big games and be really up for them. But the problem for Hearts seems to be, you know, what happens now when they go and play Hamilton at New Douglas Park or if they need to go to Fair Park and play Motherwell or, you know, play St Mirren at home. That's where they you know, seem to struggle. And I could, you know, still not really see them kind of get a result that they want in those games, not consistently anyway. So it's a good result and it's an important point because they might look at it and go, that's a point we, you know, didn't expect to have. But yeah, I, I just don't know yet whether that's Hearts really picking up. I still feel they're probably a little bit better off than Hibs though, but we knew that because they beat them in the derby. Yeah, and I think it's one. Of, it's it's a point that probably buys Craig Levine a little bit of time, yeah. um, but it's still it's a. I think it's a it's a long time without a league win at Tynecastle. Point equals another month for Craig Levine. That, that's, that's it. Um, <laughs> In the Ann Budge calculator. But I mean, it just it takes a bit of pressure off a manager who otherwise was. Yeah. Um, Under a lot, yeah. But it's I'm amazed we still have managers we started with at the beginning of this season. It seems to be all we've spoken about on this show. Is is who's the favourite for the for the chopping block this week? But yeah, I think that is a is a big point for Hearts, and it's it's maybe a sign of, and it puts Celtic back up top as well. That, that's what I was coming on to. It's Rangers. Yeah, there's, there's a Rangers side to it where I saw someone joke about it. There's been a lot of um, times where Rangers might win a game right now, and then a Rangers fan will go on, "That's a game Rangers would have drawn last season." So then I saw someone go, "That's a ra- game Rangers would have dropped." Oh wait, and then it's just like. <laughs> It, it does seem a little bit back to maybe a bit more like Rangers last season. You felt like they had kind of turned a corner and now you're kind of like, well, maybe that's well, still there a little bit but for here, them. But here's the thing. It's, you look at that Rangers side, and this is this is the one thing that still makes Celtic big favourites for the title, is that Rangers side doesn't have a lot of experience of getting the job done, getting winning anything. Yeah. Um, and those, those are the games, difficult trips at Tynecastle, those are the ones that Celtic would have in the last... 10 minutes or whatever Celtic would have got the goal generally especially under Rodgers a, a Celtic side a, a team that you would expect to win the title especially at Tynecastle Celtic really enjoy going to Tynecastle would, would have probably got the goal yeah, yeah and I mean they'd certainly have enough firepower to do it when you've got Morello starting Jermaine Defoe on the bench all these wingers they have about you know, 12 wingers you know they, they, they have no excuse other than the fact that they're kind of just not Quite at it all the time. They just well, have they that. Had lapse. Stuart Morelos and Defoe on. They couldn't break Hearts down. Well, that was it, Morel. Morelos replaced by Defoe, 
is this again, and this was after Morelos had been booked, is this Gerard again, not trusting Morelos to finish the game on a yellow card? Uh, there, it could be, yeah. There, there, there's a real feeling of that for me. I, I haven't seen the game. I'm, uh, this is just well, he was booked for descent. He threw the ball away. Exactly, but he's he, he's now on he's now on a, he's now on a yellow card. And this was the same as he wasn't trusted in the old firm game. I, I, I really believe that the reason he didn't start that old firm game was that Gerard didn't trust him. I mean, I I don't want to be this guy, but then also I know that you, like Alan, you particularly hate this, so I'm going to mention it. So he had that booking for that, but he also had a celebration right in front of the Hearts fans. And as far as, you know, we were always told that's meant to be a booking. He absolutely, it's not like he just had a little look at them. He went right in front of them, shushing them and everything. And I, like when we talked about this before, I said, I just think it should be blanket, not a booking, because I don't care. I think you should be allowed to have, you should be allowed to give something back to the fans when they give you something all the time. And there's another incident that obviously came out of that. I don't know if we're going to discuss that. But, you know, essentially... If it's a booking for one player, it has to be for others. So it is interesting where maybe, you know, Stephen Gerrard then looked at that point and went, you know, you're actually lucky that that was not your second booking. Yeah. I'm just going to hook you before this uh, gets that, ugly. That's it. And you, it's to have a... This is why I don't think Morales is a top-class player. There's a trust in Jermaine Defoe that there's not in Morales. Well, he was getting frustrated because he couldn't get on the ball. When well, he got the goal, but yeah. he was getting very, very little service. But I, th- I think this this is why I don't regard Morales as a top-class striker, because his manager can't trust him. As much as, much as in, in public, his manager will come out and back the player... He clearly doesn't trust him. I mean, he's certainly got the ability. There's a there's a there's a real temperament and discipline issue there. That, but it, but it's it's the the fact that he even thought of running to the fans. He's done the same up here against us. I get I, I'm with you. I don't agree with the rule at all. I think it's ridiculous that you can't celebrate a goal. But you're also asking the referee with what the rules are yeah. to give you a booking. But then it's down to the referees to enforce that rule. It's not, yeah. it, and it's one of these. It's not. It's the same as the there was a bizarre one with Scotland San Marino, where the goalkeeper picked the ball up. Yeah, um, when he thought it was a foul. Where and and in my mind he has to go. The goalkeeper has. To, it's one of those rules in football that is fairly black and white. Last time I checked, the rules don't make for referees' discretion on anything like that. Deliberate handball outside the box by a goalkeeper is a red card. The same way as celebrating in front of the. Kind of gesturing towards the opposing support, leaving the field, whatever, is a yellow card. It's a book, same as removing your shirt. Booked. Doesn't matter. It was the same as there was one in England. Um, it was, was it Leicester? Was it after the, the, the helicopter oh, yeah. accident? Yeah. That one of the players removed their shirt with a, a tribute to, to the former chairman yeah. on, on the shirt. Uh, and Madison. still, and it was Madison, James wasn't Madison, it? Yeah. And he still got booked. And it's Well, the referee said sorry. And, in fairness, and yeah, but the, that that's that's where I'm at. The referee had no choice. Nobody would have complained if he hadn't booked him. But the referee knew this is the rule. Got to, yeah. I can't not do it. Yeah. But for some reason, it, it seems to be applied differently up here. The same is why why is Hedges booked for celebrating with our fans, and Morales isn't booked for celebrating with a kind of gesturing towards the away support. I would think surely one of them is more likely to cause an instant than the other. Surely Scottish football, so isn't it? It's, yeah. <laughs> it probably helps if you wear blue or green and white hoops. <laughs> Not that I'm suggesting anything, obviously. But no, I think like, we, we, you did touch. Let's, we'll, we'll wrap this up quickly. But you did mention there was another alleged incident at this point. Yeah, so I can't say I looked into it like super, no. but obviously it's the same that we had with that Chelsea Man City game, where obviously you've got back of the player, you can see the fans, and clearly there's a, there's an old guy who's saying stuff that you know you don't want to see in a football stadium and you know as much as I 
you know, would have kind of looked at that and went, oh man, Manella should be booked for that. I'm really happy he got it right up them if that's, you know, the yeah. kind of person that's that's sitting in that stand. But um, yeah, yeah no I mean, it's... No, it's one of those, absolutely. Needs to be gone. And it's, we've had a few incidents recently. And it's like... Uh, and, a lot, really, yeah. Yeah, it's not it's not one where anyone can, can throw stones in Scottish football. You know, okay, maybe, all right, if you support like a, a club in League Two, you can throw as many stones as you want because that's, you know, generally okay. But then at the same time, they... It's, they probably would be like that if they were a big club but you know when you have a look at any of the clubs that are kind of up in the top in the premiership there's incidents that come from every single club you know Aberdeen are not going to go and sit here and throw stones because we've all probably sat in the terraces of Pataudry and heard some old guy say something that, that really have, is yeah. not is not okay to say anymore and it's still a problem in Scottish football and it's not just even on the racism side there's you know homophobia on it there's everything you know there's if there's a female linesman then there's all these different comments yeah. made and it's just a complete the game is changing a lot yeah and i think some fans are struggling to realize that yeah no, struggling it to be the old way i think it is there's a there's a there's a real issue with um we've always had a real issue with sectarianism in scottish football um the racism thing it seems to be something that's come back in the last few it seems to be something that it's and I don't think it's just that it's getting more press. I think we've all sat in, in grounds. And I've heard more in the last couple of seasons than I have for... Certainly, in, it's noticeably more in the stands at the moment. It festers when one happens. Because there's these, these people probably who actually do this probably sit there. That, that guy probably looked at the news when that happened with Raheem Sterling down in England and went, oh, what's the fuss about this? Oh, what's wrong with saying that? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then it's festered in his head and then it's... You know, he's thought, well, no, you're perfectly fine to say that in a football stadium because apparently that's logic that some people have. So, but I think, I think, without trying to be too intellectual for this show, there's, there's yeah. a bar here. So uh, anyway, Alan, what Aberdeen player is going to batter you next week? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, I think there is. There's a. This goes back to the whole the, the the England issue the other week. There was an FA Cup tie in England abandoned this weekend. Yeah. Because of it, um, and this it comes down to a far more social issue than just this. This isn't football. It's a problem that's showing its head at football. This isn't football's issue. This no. is a societal issue that's you happening. You can't blame players for walking off the park either. No, I, 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 I back 100%. Yeah. I, I do think with the England one, the, the, the choice shouldn't be down to the players. You shouldn't ask a professional footballer to make that decision. Yeah. The decision cool. should be made by the officials or by UEFA. Um, it shouldn't be on the head of the players to, to take a stand. Something should be done by the, 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 the organisations that look after the game. But... I think the, the the racism thing and the sectarianism thing, especially in Scotland, aren't just football's issue. Yeah, um, they they tend to show their heads at football, and f- I don't think football is doing enough. But I think these are issues that extend way beyond football. Yeah, and obviously it's always going to be more prevalent when it's the biggest sport in the country. It's going to get the most press, so then any part of it is going to get more press. But yeah. It, I certainly completely agree it's a societal thing it shows the football but then there's no reason why then football can't go and say right well let's be a figurehead in this let's you know kind of be the first let's go and make changes that other people aren't willing to make because then if football does something generally that that makes a big impact in British society it just does well that, that, that's it it's, I mean the people who are going to vent they tend to vent these things at, at football um, if that's way, if that's the influence in their life that is going to Put a stand up and say no. This is not acceptable. Yeah, that that's when it kicks on into the rest of uh, rest I of think society. The fans have got a big part to play as well. It, it, it's it's and it's and it's one of those. It's I think it was dubbed on Twitter at one point the Clyde line at Pataudry, which I don't like. Yeah, um, and that's and that's fans trying to make light of something um, that I think is a, is a useful tool because you probably don't want to, especially I mean, 
I'm brazen enough to do it, but I understand why no one wants to, you don't want to stand you, you up don't in, want, in front of so many people you don't and want say to something. turn around and go you stop saying that yeah because you paid to then go and watch a game of football you don't want to ruin your own experience because someone else is doing it and yeah it, you don't want to put someone in that position where they have to do that it should be someone who is you know employed to be there who it's their job to go and do that and the stewards can't hear and see everything so there's no there's nothing no, wrong there, with having that a, a way also, to I've, I've had this issue before <laughs> where I'm going to tell the story very, very quickly because I'm I'm already way over where I was going to be for this show. But I think the authorities in Scottish football, especially staff inside the ground, don't want to be involved in these issues. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I have been told before when I had... There was stuff being thrown. We used to sit on the segregation fence at Pataudry and there was stuff being thrown. There were, there, were, there were coins, there were kind of coffee cup stuff coming over that fence, which has been a real issue at Pataudry. And we were standing there and there was a, a police officer next to me and I went... Are you are you going to do something about this, please? Um, and he went, "No, I'm at this side of the fence." <laughs> Come on, if that yeah. if that I mean, is one thing, if a steward says it, because it's like, yeah, you know what, you're a minimum wage. <laughs> that's okay. I'm not going to tell you. But a police officer, it's there is a line there where uh, you know you feel like maybe they should be doing a little bit more than the steward is. I I feel that there's there's an acceptance, and it's it's a culture of acceptance among all of Scottish football, um, and that goes from fans. Clubs, stewards, police. There's a there's an underlying issue there that until we're going to tackle all of it, it seems to be it's it's selective. I think there's a real culture of selective policing. It's not selective policing. That that's the wrong term probably because that's putting all the blame on police Scotland's door, which I don't think it is. Yeah, for example, it's going to be difficult for them to turn around if it's really, really hard line on anything racist that a fan says, but then also continue to ignore anything sectarian. Exactly. Not saying that they're equal or they're not equal, but you know, you, it does come off hip- hypocritical if you do one or the other. The issues that are dealt with are selective. Um, and I think yeah, until until that equal. until that changes though, but I think the, the attitude, the change needs to come from within for that. I think I think there's not going to be a massive change in the culture of Scottish football until fans decide they want to change. Yeah. Or the SFA and the SPFL do something that makes fans want to change. Whether that's points deductions, stadium closures, strict liability, that's what we're pushing towards. I don't think anyone wants strict I, I liability. Don't say, I don't think that's far off either, to be honest. I, I, don't, I don't think, think anyone wants soon. strict liability, um, but I think it's coming. I think Players will only take so much. And it will, be, it will be enforced by somebody above the SPFL. Anyway, right, I think that is probably enough. That got very, very intellectual, didn't it? Yeah. That, that was yeah. like a serious a serious we debate on this show. We went from Alan slagging off players and talking about who he thinks he get battered by and then <laughs> we're talking about racism <laughs> and stuff. That was, that, was, that was a very serious conversation. But no, it's, it's been interesting this week, boys. And three points, all is well with the world. Of, it's fair. We, need, we needed something to have a, a, a serious debate about because the football's all good news this weekend. <laughs> Yeah, it's been good. <laughs> right. Well, thank you very much, boys. It's been a pleasure, Lewis, Graham. I've been Alan Davidson. This has been The Red Review, and we'll be back next Monday. It's time to talk football. It's time to talk dance. North Zone 1. Red Review.